Welcome to term one and session two. We're going to continue in chapter one and page four and uh, look at the evidence of a time before Genesis 1-2. Now there's a lot of controversy in this and I honestly don't mind if you have another opinion or another sort of view on this, it's not a problem. Um, let me just share with you the stuff that I have, okay, and uh, um, what's important uh, through all of this is the understanding of who Jesus Christ is. This is about the life of Christ, and I'm doing everything to show you um, his preeminence in a sense, you know, that he is God, and why we need to consider him as God. It's sad the way his name has sort of got to a place where it's almost like a cliche, you know, and people say, everybody's like, oh, do you want to know Jesus? Jesus who, you know? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So we need to go back to the majesty of who he was, who he is, and, in that, and then from that, who lives in us. Amen? And when we begin to get an of, image of that, we'll begin to understand how incredible the new birth is and what an amazing thing it is to have him living inside you okay all right so with everything that we've discussed with all that in mind <coughs> excuse me and since Colossians clearly told us that it was Jesus Christ who created all things in heaven let's go back and take a closer look at creation itself with Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 I said we'll go back to this so here we are we're going back to it <laughs> Saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens, notice, and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, or form, a formless void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. There are two things that we need to acknowledge in these verses. First, the word heavens. In verse 1, now I'm going to stretch your brain, alright? The word heavens in verse 1, indicating that when God began creating, He created space that was both infinite in expanse and infinite in the dimensions it contained. Let me stop for a minute talk to you. One of the biggest problems that we have right now is our limited thinking. That's right. All right? Okay. And we think that when we see all these science fiction movies about different dimensions and stuff, you know, that it's like, wow. Look at the imagination that that came from. No, we can't listen to me. We can't imagine beyond what there is. Absolutely. Do you understand? Get that concept. There, as limitless as our imagination is, it's limited. Two, I'm going to contra contradict what I just said. It is limited to the limitless nature of God. Okay? We can't imagine outside of God. You all picking this up? Alright? So everything that is in existence and the problem that we're having right now is religion is trying to make sense of what they think the Bible is saying. Alright? And giving it an explanation that fits in with their way of thinking and their boundaries of thinking. Everybody catch that? Okay, alright. 
So what I need you to do is I need to expand your mind. Expand it. When God created, think with me for a minute if you can. When God began creating, is God limited? Okay, he's a limitless God. Limitless being will make limitless things. Catch, stay with me now, okay? When he created the heavens, see, we, you know, all the people that I read and, and I have to wade through a lot of stuff, they'll say, oh, well, the heavens is, you know, there's three heavens. There's the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. The first heaven is the one down here. and Second heaven is, you know, the first heaven is the one that's above in the skies, okay? Where the birds fly, all right? Second heaven is outer space. And third heaven is where God lives. And so they say, well, when we're talking about heavens, that's what we're talking about. No, but you have to understand, this isn't talking about where we are and where we're going to be and everything else. This is in the beginning. Are you all with me? This is before anything ever existed, before we came and put our definitions on things. God created. Okay? The heavens. And when I looked at that, and you know, the first time I read that, I, I kind of, I, I, I did what everybody else does, and I just flew over it. I just thought heavens and the earth. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Let's move on. And God just took me back to that word. And he said, think about that word. You know, I, told, I teach you guys to meditate. Well, I do what I say. Okay. And I started thinking of heavens. And he said, I, he, he basically said, go back to creation. You're still stuck in this limited place. He said, go back to when I am creating. And I'm going, whoa, okay. This is the Big Bang. <laughs> okay? Except it came from God, all right? And, you know, when we talk about light, when God says light be, it was Him introducing Himself into all the, the realms, all right? The thing is that when God created, He asked me a question. He says, man has this um, drive, this insatiable uh, you know, uh, question that he says always at the end of something there must be something on the other side. Somewhere in your childhood you had that, okay? You might have lost it now, but you, you, know, you always want to know if there's a wall, what's on the other side? If there's an end, what's on the other side of the end? There must be something else because there's always something else. Do you understand? And so... God showed me something and he said, do you not understand limitless is limitless? He said, that's why you don't understand eternity. Because you can't think in the little eight that falls over sideways. You can't think infinity. It's beyond you. Because you will think to, a, to an end and then go, well, there's got to be something on the other side. And he says, that's not where my end is, that's where your end is. That's why there's always another side, because I just keep going. But then he said something to me as well. He said, do you understand, I didn't only create space limitless in expanse, but I also created it in dimension. It's limitless in dimension. Because if there's 200 dimensions, somebody's going to say, is there 201? If there's a thousand dimensions, somebody's going to say, is there 1001? There's always going to be, that's, that's why mathematicians do something very cute. They say, 
something to the n plus one. <laughs> okay? The plus one is the one that we don't know about. Alright? Paul talked about the plus one. He said, you know all these gods, but you're going just in case we, we're going to upset a god, we'll put one to the unknown god. That's their plus one. There's always a plus. Man has always this, this concept of plus one. As far as we can think, there's always a plus one. Something else is out there. Do you understand? And God started to talk to me about that. And he said, Satan didn't understand when he was created. He understood to, to a degree, and I'm jumping ahead now, all right? But I can do that now in the life of Christ. Hallelujah, all right? He understood the concept to a degree of limitless space. Okay, three-dimensional, going in every direction, all right? But, okay. But he said he didn't understand limitless dimensions. And that's going to throw him at some point. It's going to confuse him. Something he, something he didn't figure out on, God's going to do. Because everybody said, well, here are the rules. And God says, yeah, I made the rules. Here's another one. <laughs> okay? All right? And it's interesting that each dimension is unique in some things. Unique to this dimension is time. Did you know that? That dimension has no time. Everything is eternal. It just goes on and on and on. This one has time. That one, the stars are different to the stars in this one. They both have stars. Interesting, isn't it? But their constellations are different to ours. And some of the meanings of that is different as well. And might get that. when we get to the creation, I'll talk about some of that stuff. All right, but let's get back to this. So I want you to understand when when God created the heavens. Please understand why I'm doing this and why I'm saying this to you. One of the things that God, uh, man has done is to try and make God small. So that he can exalt his science and his maths and his, you know, his learning and his evolution in a sense, in an intellectual realm, so much further than that religious God that everybody leans and has a crutch and, you know, when you need something, that's what you go do. You get, you know, you get religious. Okay, and those religious people get so narrow-minded and they're just so, you know, what's the word? Uh, limited in their thinking. And while science is pushing the boundaries, follow me now, understand what I'm trying to say. While they see mankind as pushing the boundaries and while religion says, no, you can't do that. Science says, yes, we can and watch, ta-da. And the more they do that, and the more they flex those muscles, so to speak, they're saying, see, God is irrelevant. Mm, that's right. Sorry, I, I need to preach a little bit. Let me preach for a minute, okay? Because you guys, you guys need to get this. And so, you know, we look at our little God, poor thing, you know, he's kind of not, he's a little bit backward. Still talks in dines and these and thous. The whole world has moved ahead, but you know, he's still back there somewhere in some little hymnal book. Oh, don't touch that, that's God. Oh, okay. All right, irrelevant, doesn't know what's happening in the world. While 
Man is progressive and moving forward and breaking all kinds of barriers. And we have just, the sad thing is, while man is so proud of himself and look at another barrier that we broke, God looks down on that and realize, he looks at something pathetic that is going on. It's like a little ant going, boom, we discovered fire. And you're going, okay. You know, while we're sending space shuttles off. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And it's ridiculous. And it's, and it's like the little ant going, see, we're greater than man. <laughs> Somebody got a big shoe just, you know. Okay. Are you all with me? And what I want to do, as we go through this, I want you to begin to realize, I said this to you before, that all the science that we have, everything that we have knowledge of, was created by God. All we do is discover. And we shouldn't be afraid of discovery. Now, yes, we need to be a little bit concerned about what we do with our discoveries. But that's different. Do you understand? Discovery itself is about what God has done. On all the different levels. And understanding that we are pathetically behind Him so far. It's ridiculous. Because we are limited and He is unlimited. As much as our little brain can comprehend, we haven't even come anywhere close to what He has done. We can't even comprehend eternity. We can't even comprehend those things. And you know what? There's more than that. See, now even that's too much for you. Okay? Something that we can't comprehend, there is more. But we can't even comprehend that. So when God created the heavens, he created not only all the universe that he was going to live in, but another universe that would have another set of laws, and only he knows how many other universes exist. Not just worlds, universes. Do you understand? They're just limitless. And this is the thing that we need to understand, that he is God in all of them. There isn't one dimension that he's void of, that's, you know, there's nothing there. That it's like God who, okay? I always have this thing that one day we might come across, and this is not going to happen in our lifetime, because I honestly believe in this realm, now see, this is where I need to now separate things. In this realm, we are the first creation. In this realm. When we see little UFOs and stuff, now nah, in this realm, we're the first creation. We're the UFOs to somebody else's. Okay? In about two billion years, we'll probably be, you know, oh, God only knows what will be happening. Some, some little, you know, we'll go, look, it's a flying Jamie. <laughs> yeah, he was just getting pizza that day. Okay? <laughs> he, he's, his little saucer broke down for a minute, you know, and, and, and then they were like, wow. I know that's ridiculous, but you see, what we don't realize is we are the advanced civilization that may one day be visiting some planet. We're it. We're the ones. 
Do you understand? All the other stuff, there's, there, is, there are things out there in another realm that have found its way into our realm. And we're going to talk about some of those things. In fact, when we start looking at Ezekiel and stuff, boy, I tell you, it looks like some of the stuff people have seen. And we're thinking they're on drugs. Maybe Ezekiel was. But he was on the same drugs they were. Okay? You know, we need to consider some of these things before we kind of go off the planet and go, oh, no, 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 that stuff doesn't exist. Only in your limited thinking. Okay? So I need you to start being a little limitless. I know it's a little hard after work. Friday, we want to go to sleep. Okay, and I'm trying to expand your brain. All right. Now, the, regarding the dimensions, we get a glimpse of this in the fact that at the center of the earth, there is both the earth's core in the natural dimension and hell in the spiritual dimension. But it's interesting how it's located. It's located in a place where it's really hot in the natural realm. And then we hear about the fires that burn in hell, in the spiritual realm. There's always parallels. But we're going to start to realize something about that realm. But see, hell isn't in the center of our realm. Otherwise, we could dig down there and get all the, the family out that didn't quite make Jesus Lord. I'm serious, you know, I mean, let's get real with this. Because this is where the problem is, it always comes up. Yeah, we say, you know, because Christians go, oh, hell is in the center. Well, let's go there and get a few people out. We dig down there, we know there's the core and the magma and all that stuff. And we go, you know, you religious people are crazy. There's nothing down there except the stuff that keeps this planet spinning and, you know, all the things it does, all right? Whatever. Without going into that detail. Alright, but see, there are two dimensions. Already we know of two dimensions. Of something existing in space at the same time, in different space, but in that same space. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay, so there's a glimpse. There's a start. Next, notice that in verse 2 that it says, the earth, and only the earth, all right. Now, one of the translations actually says this was, was an aquatic, formless void. And why the New International Version translates the verse to read, Now the earth was formless and empty, and uh, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. All right. Now, this is in direct and total contradiction to Isaiah 45.18 which actually says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who established it, who did not create it in vain or literally without form, but who formed it to be inhabited. So we've got this kind of a... Now I'm going to ask you to think about this now. God is limitless in His power. Yes. Okay. Why would God need to start with a ball of water? Why create a ball of water to start with? This is a deep, this is water. Why start with water? What's the big deal? I mean, if I was God, I'd just start with what I need. You know, throw some land, throw some water on top of that, put some, you know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I would have just started a different way. In fact, I would have probably started with the, well, I'm God, I can create everything at once. 
It puzzled me for a long time. Why start with a ball of water in space? And I want you to imagine this. There's a ball of water hanging in space. And there's the Holy Spirit hovering over it. And I'm going to leave you there. I will tell you the answer, but not right now. Okay? So, <laughs> so in other words, this verse assures us. <laughs> I have to walk you through this, man. It's just too much. All right? And like I said, you know, please, if you have another thing, another opinion, I, I'm fine with it. Okay? I really don't mind. I'm good. All right. Just humor me. Okay? All right. So in other words, this verse assures us that when the earth was first created, it was formed both perfectly and instantly, and ready to be inhabited immediately, which is exactly what Genesis 1-1 tells us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay? Did you all get that? He created the heavens and He created the earth. Alright. All right. What's even, even more significant is that Isaiah is one of the only two accounts that tell us about the conflict that took place between earth and heaven in the spirit realm. Okay, which we're going to be looking at when we look at war in heaven. That means Isaiah was able to see prophetically into the spirit realm and must have actually seen the very first creation that took place when God created the heavens and the earth absolutely perfect, not formless, not empty, not void. Alright? In addition to this, I'm slowly building my case, alright? In addition to this, what is also conspicuous by its absence is the fact that it's not until Genesis 1-3 that God begins to say anything, which is totally inconsistent with the entire creation process and everything the Bible says about the way God brings things into existence, including Hebrews 11-3, which says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. How were things created? By the Word of God. Okay? And God said, and God said, and God said. Okay? Alright. <coughs> Just follow if you can. The Apostle Paul gives us a little more insight into this in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17 when he says, Even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Alright? It is something that we do and he encourages us to do. That's why we can, you know, we are to confess over ourselves and, you know, if you're a little bit short on the gray matter, I have to confess over myself. I can do all things. Thank you, Father, for the mind of Christ. Not because I have it, because I need it. <laughs> okay? I need it to manifest. Okay? And it's an amazing thing I always said to you. You need to understand the power of your words. Absolutely. When spoken in faith, they create. It's incredible what it does. Only problem that we have is believing. Did you know that? See, we don't have any trouble saying. In fact, the mouth is going at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> okay? The thing is to attach faith to what we say. That's the reason why Jesus talks about empty words and so on and so forth. And says, be careful with those things. Yeah, all right. So with this revelation, we can now better understand the significance of Genesis 1-3 when it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. In fact, the phrase God said is repeated 10 times in just, just in Genesis chapter 1, and it precedes every creation in that chapter. Okay? Every creation and God said. Boom. Okay. Therefore, 
since nothing in Genesis chapter 1 was created without this phrase first being uttered, <coughs> excuse me, we must ask the question, where did the gigantic sphere of water in Genesis 1 to come from? Since there's no record of God saying anything. Are you all following me now? There was no end God said, let there be a huge sphere of water. And there was water. It's not there. Are you all here? Following that, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be said. But that was something else. Something has happened now. All right? Okay. The answer must lie elsewhere. In a time after Genesis 1-1, but before Genesis 1-2. Further evidence of this time is also found in Revelation chapter 12. Can I just say, before we go any further with all this, I am not basing this on anybody's theories. Okay, I know there's a lot of stuff out there. Okay, um, this is not from brother so and so or you know sister so and so or that denomination or whatever. Okay, this is all stuff that it took me years to get all this stuff. Okay, and a lot of sleepless nights to work through it. All right, so if you're thinking I've got this from someone, I actually haven't. I had the idea of it from someone to start with, but even they were wrong about some aspects of it. And so I had to branch off and break off, and I might be totally wrong too. Ta-da! Okay, so... <laughs> and I might be leading all of you astray, never mind. And getting you to pay for it, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> my God, man. Anyway, <laughs> back to this. <laughs> but I didn't say that. All right. <laughs> so for, <laughs> further evidence of this time is also found in Revelation chapter 12, where the serpent in Genesis 3.1, who deceived Adam and Eve, is actually identified as the devil, having existed in time past. In, with verse 9 saying, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. We'll look at that, alright? So notice it says that old serpent. It didn't say it was a young serpent. Alright? Catch a hold of that because it's designating time. And when it's saying old, you know, it's, it's not just old like it's about 50 years old. It's old. It's, can I use the word ancient? It's an ancient evil. You understand that they know about, that they've had dealings with, that has now come and going to cause a fall of man. Anyway, see, it just always bother me how come a serpent that has been created with all of creation, even though it's cunning and everything, how can it take down mankind and why bother taking mankind down? For what purpose? What purpose? It, it, it's existing with man. I mean, man's not going after it with a gun or anything. Nobody was killing anybody. Do you understand? They were all friends. Why must the serpent suddenly turn on man? It just doesn't make sense unless there is something behind it that is ancient, that has a bone to pick with something God created. Oh, okay, there's ego in there somewhere. We're going to see it when we get to it. All right. And further to this, we also have Jesus saying in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And since nowhere in the history 
of the Old Testament do we have any indication of this occurring? It must have been in a time after the creation of the heavens and the earth, but prior to the creation of mankind. Jesus saw something that we hadn't seen. Okay, but it's interesting where he fell, or from where he fell. He says he fell from heaven, but where did he fall? We'll find out. All right, notice also the phrase, from heaven, meaning that he must have fallen down to something, and since the only other planet mentioned, Genesis 1.1, is the earth, and also since Hebrews 1.14 clearly says that all angels are spirits, listen now, the earth that Satan fell to must have been a spiritual earth. Now I'm going to stretch your brains. See, we always think that in the beginning God created his heaven and our earth. I'm going to give you something else to think about right now. Are you ready? And I need you to pray about this and think about this. What if in the beginning God did create a perfect heaven and a perfect earth, but it wasn't here? Why develop this realm yet? There's no reason for it. Follow me logically, okay? God is in that realm. Can we call it the spirit realm? Okay, you can call it realm number one, okay, whatever. First realm, all right? Spirit realm, first realm, all right? He's creating there. He has created a home for himself, and he's going to create a sister planet. It is going to be in that same realm. There's no reason to create it anywhere else. In the beginning, God created an uh, infinite universe with infinite dimensions, but he begins to develop the first one, his dimension. The where, where he is at, at the moment, okay? Now he exists throughout all of the other dimensions, but can we just stick to one, okay? He begins to create, and he makes a beautiful planet heaven, let's call it, okay? I don't know whether it was a planet or what, but let's just call it a planet because that's all we can understand. And he made something with it, the earth. All right? And he made it beautifully. It was made perfect. It would have been gorgeous to look at. Hey, man, if he's not going to do bits and pieces of heaven, he's not going to do it with the earth. This is also going to answer a question. How come the earth was made in bits when, when our earth was made? How come it was made in bits when Genesis 1.1 says, he, you know. Now, okay, there is this theory. Let me just deal with the theory now quickly, all right? I have to deal with all the theories because everybody, somebody's little mind will go, yeah, but Genesis 1.1 is like a summary and then Genesis 1.2 goes on to the specifics. That's a thought. That kind of works until you kind of run into other things. And then it doesn't make any sense because you kind of think, well, hang on a second. How can a spiritual being fall onto a natural planet? I told you, I need you to think now. Okay? You can cast the devil into this planet as much as you want. He's just going to go right through it. He's not made of this stuff. We are made of this stuff. Are you all with me? Dumb place to put a devil. Are you all here? He, he can move through anything. He doesn't have to knock at the door and he doesn't have to wait for you to open for him to come in. He'll fly right in. Because he's in another dimension. Now let me throw you a little bone. 
Let me get you thinking. Why is it that demons tend to want water all the time? There is this thing about demons. They love water. The pigs, they get possessed, they head for water. There's something, and we, we know from like Sri Lanka and stuff, okay, now, I don't want to use experience as things, but there are some things you just notice. And that's one of the things that you notice. For some reason, they seem to like water. And Jesus says to cast them out, and then they'll go into dry places, dry places, waterless places. Something is up, isn't it? Where? We've got plenty of water here. Where are they going? Back to their realm. See, when we cast something out, it has to go somewhere. But the somewhere isn't here. The somewhere is a parallel dimension. It's here, but somewhere else. Do you get what I'm saying? It's back into that realm. That realm can hurt them. This realm can't hurt them. The Apostle Paul says we don't fight against flesh and blood. Okay? We're fighting against something that is from another realm. Can I say that? Okay? That's why you can't use a sword against him, but a spiritual sword. The natural one won't do anything. But when you start using the Word of God, it cuts the devil. But you don't see that. So people say, well, what's the point? Nothing is happening. Because he's a persistent little guy. He'll make you look like nothing's happening to him. But if you could just see his face at the time, he'd be like, oh, ow, it's not working, <laughs> and get you to quit. And if you ever quit, man, he'll be there. Don't quit. Having done all to stand, stand. All right. A lot of things will start lining up in why God tells you to do certain things. When you begin to understand the two dimensions, do you understand? All right. It's slowly. Oh, I got one minute left. Where does the time go? I'm sorry. I have to share this with you, otherwise you're going to miss something. Okay. All right. <laughs> I've said, if you are having difficulty understanding all this, don't be concerned. It will be dealt with in the right order. Okay, in time to come. We'll actually, I'll walk you through this. All right. Furthermore, as a final piece of evidence, there's all the exchanges that took place between Jesus and, and demons that make no sense whatsoever unless we factor in a time prior to Genesis 1-2. For example, over the page, we find in Luke chapter 4, verses 33 through 35, where it says, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. Notice spirit, another realm, okay? In this realm. And he cried with a loud voice saying, let us alone. Interesting, isn't it? It says, let us alone, all right? What have we to do with you? Listen, Jesus of Nazareth, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. How? Even the religious leaders don't believe him. How does this thing know who he is? You're here. See, we, we, <laughs> Jesus rebuked him and said, shut up, you know, be quiet, come out. <laughs> okay? I love that. You know why? Jesus is like, you're not going to, shut up. See, we think Jesus just told him to shut up because he doesn't want to listen to the devil prattle on. The devil wants to give stuff away that we're not ready to hear or going to cause confusion. 
Do you understand? He is the author of confusion. Okay? And he knows the, these things, they are never honest. They never do anything for your benefit. Can you get that in your mind? Okay, get that in your head because they will never do anything to benefit you. They are not saying to Jesus, Oh, we know you. Oh, holy one of God. We want to... No, no, that's not saying in a worshipful way. They're doing it in such, such a way that, you know, some of the religious leaders listening to that might think, Oh, maybe he's in league with them. They know him. Remember that? Remember the accusation? You are in league with the devil? And do you know who put that thought in their mind? Yeah, they're trying to draw... They are trying to get rid of Jesus because they know who he is. So they'll do everything to sabotage his mission and everything else. And I'll run out of time. Okay, so we're going to pick this up next, uh, not next week, the week after. And let's close it off for tonight. Hallelujah.